Well, uh, three weeks from today, we are having our next Baptism Sunday. And uh, there is an insert in your bulletin uh, telling you about that. And so uh, please uh, note the date. And um, because of that, uh, I have decided that I wanted to uh, focus the message today on the topic of baptism. We're excited that there are already four or five people signed up to be baptized on June 9th, uh, but we're hoping that more will make that decision between now and then. And so we're going to take this one-week break from our Strange Things series in order to focus today on this topic. I think it's been about two years since I have preached on baptism, and with the importance of this topic, I think that it is time to address it uh, again. There are three things that I hope to accomplish with this sermon. So if you're here and you say, Brian, I've already been baptized. My goodness, you're, you're, you know, you're preaching to however many people haven't. You're just wasting my time. No, I'm not wasting your time. And I'm going to tell you uh, some of the ways uh, that I'm not and that I hope that uh, these are the things that will be accomplished with the message. The first thing is that all of us here today would come away with a better understanding of the importance of baptism, and that we would come away with a better understanding of how baptism is beneficial to us, so that all of us here today would be equipped to share with someone who is new to faith how important baptism is. And so you may have been baptized, but unless you have the understanding of the importance and meaning of it really locked down tight... I hope that you'll be open today uh, to listening and receiving uh, what I have to share. The second purpose, the second thing I hope this accomplishes, is to help those of you who are already committed to getting baptized in three weeks to approach your baptism with a really good understanding of it so that you are going to get the absolute most out of your baptism that you possibly can. And then the third purpose that I hope God will use this message is to help persuade some of you who haven't yet committed to doing so that you really do need to be baptized. And so these are the three purposes that I embark on this message today. If you have not been baptized since coming to faith in Jesus, you really need to do this. If you were baptized in a Christian church, but you didn't actually have personal faith in Christ at the time that it happened, you should be rebaptized. If you've been a Christian for years, but you have never been baptized, you really should be baptized. And so again, these are the objectives for which I hope God is going to use this message. I've entitled the message, Important and Beneficial. And we're going to consider first the importance of baptism according to the Bible. And then we're going to look at the meaning and the benefits of baptism according to the Bible. And so we begin today with the importance of baptism. According to the Bible, it is impossible to read the Bible with an open mind and not come away convinced that baptism is very important. And I want to share just a few of the reasons with you that we know baptism is really important. Here's the first one. We know baptism is important because Jesus himself was baptized. We read about this in each of the Gospels, and here's how it's recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew. 
Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. From just these few verses, we receive a whole lot of really good information. We learn, first of all, in these few verses, that there is a connection between baptism and humility. And I don't have time to fully unpack that today, but, but the baptism of Jesus demonstrated both the humility of Christ in submitting to baptism and the humility of John, who at first protested, uh, but then uh, humbly submitted to what Jesus instructed him to do. We also learn from these few verses that nothing good and beneficial should be left undone. Jesus said that it's good for us to fulfill all righteousness. We also learn that baptism is important enough to be intentionally pursued. If you understand what you read there, Jesus actually traveled a long distance in order to be baptized. And then we learn that God uses baptism to affirm our identity. Jesus was affirmed by God at his baptism as he came up out of the water uh, this is what we hear uh, God saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And so God affirms us at our baptisms. And so we know that baptism is important because Jesus was baptized and his baptism gives us these wonderful lessons that help us begin to understand some of the deep meaning and some of the importance of baptism. Secondly, we know that baptism is important because Jesus commanded that all new believers are to be baptized. And he did this in the final instructions that he gave his disciples before ascending into heaven. And he did this in what is known as the Great Commission. And here's what we find in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we have to understand the importance of this statement of Jesus. The context help us, helps us to understand that. Jesus had just wrapped up 33 years of living a sinless life, in perfect obedience to God. Not too long before this statement, he had died an excruciating death for the sins of mankind. He had risen to life, having satisfied the wrath of God against sin, and having demonstrated his victory over death, hell, and the grave. And now he is set to return to the Father. And before he returns to the Father, after all of this that he has accomplished, he considers it important enough to make sure his disciples understand what he wants them to be doing until he returns. 
This is what he's saying. Here's what I want you guys up to from now until I return. And central to what he tells them to be doing is to baptize everyone who becomes his disciple. And so the Great Commission gives the Christian church the responsibility to baptize new believers. And the Great Commission makes it really clear to all who become disciples of Jesus that he considers baptism important and expects them to be baptized. So baptism is really important. Jesus was baptized and Jesus commanded that all new believers should be baptized. And then as we look throughout the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, we find that those who heard the Great Commission from Jesus took what he said to heart and they went about proclaiming the gospel and actually baptizing those who came to faith in Jesus. It was their standard practice. People came to faith and they got baptized. And throughout the New Testament, we see that their practice was really, honestly, a little different than ours, a little more baptism-focused than ours, in that people would believe and they would almost immediately be baptized. They were almost always baptized pretty much upon confession of faith in Christ. And the book of Acts demonstrates this over and over and over again. Somehow we have gotten to the place in much of the Christian church where many Christians view baptism as not that important. They view it as some sort of take it or leave it type of a thing. The attitude that is uh, pretty widespread is, you know, if you do it, fine. And if you don't do it, that's fine too. Either way, do what you want. I think this has largely resulted from a misapplication of a correct belief. So the correct belief is that baptism doesn't save us. But even that statement needs explanation. What it really means is that baptism does not justify us before God. And this reality that baptism is not the means by which we are justified before God has led people to the view that if it isn't necessary for justification, if it isn't the means of regeneration, then it really isn't all that important. But friends, this is a misguided posture toward baptism. It misses a whole lot that is really important. And I believe that it even reveals a deficient understanding of salvation because justification is not all there is to salvation. Salvation is not just being justified before God. Salvation also includes this thing called sanctification. And salvation will someday include this thing called glorification. And so when we say that baptism does not save us, we mean that, that baptism does not justify us before God. It's not the means by which we are made right with God. But baptism is absolutely a part of sanctification, which means that it is part of salvation properly and fully understood. People who say baptism isn't important may be well-intentioned, but they are lacking understanding. They are misguided. 
You see, Jesus does not tell us to do things just because. He doesn't tell us to do things for no good reason. He doesn't tell us to do things that are a waste of our time or don't really matter one way or the other. Jesus tells us to do things because he knows they are good for us and he knows that doing what he tells us to do is going to be helpful to us. It's going to be beneficial to us. So baptism is important for these reasons we've already discussed. And baptism is important because it is meaningful and it is beneficial. It's an important and it's a beneficial experience if we understand it correctly. And so I want to talk now about a few of the ways that baptism is beneficial to us. Baptism is meaningful and beneficial because it formally and publicly identifies us with Jesus. In Romans 6.3, Paul says that when we're baptized, we're baptized, quote, into Christ, unquote. Galatians 3.27 says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Through baptism, we demonstrate that we are in Christ, that we are aligning ourselves with Jesus, that we are taking on the name of Christ. It is a means of public profession of our faith in Jesus. It is a public acknowledgement of the inner spiritual reality that we have given our lives to Christ and we now belong to him. It represents a point of public commitment to Jesus whereby we declare our allegiance to him and acknowledge that our lives are now entirely about Christ. Texas pastor Jim Dennison shared a story a number of years ago about an experience he had in Malaysia. He attended a small church in Malaysia and on the day that he was there they had baptisms and at the baptism, he noticed that one of the young ladies who was baptized had brought with her some worn out luggage. And so he asked the local pastor of the Malaysian church, why did that young lady have the luggage with her? And here's the way the pastor explained it. He told Dennison, her father said that if she was baptized as a Christian, she should never come home again. And so she packed her luggage. Baptism is a public testimony that we belong to Jesus. Baptism is a line of demarcation. It's a line of demarcation. That's who we were. This is who we are. I think we kind of understand this principle in marriage. Okay? I loved Michelle before I ever married her. Is this good for me? Okay. All right. I loved Michelle before I ever married her. We were committed to each other before the ceremony. But that doesn't mean that the ceremony was not powerful. There is something powerful about the ceremony. There is something powerful about exchanging the rings and publicly declaring our commitment 
to each other. During times when our marriage got difficult, it was often the memory of the wedding ceremony, the vows we made there, the public commitment we made there. It was often the memory of those things that reminded me of my responsibility to my wife. The love and the commitment came before the ceremony, but the ceremony was powerful in driving the commitment deep into our hearts and impressing upon us the new reality of our commitment to each other. That, that's one of the great things about a marriage ceremony is that is what it is meant to accomplish. Baptism does this. It, it formally and publicly identifies us with Jesus and impresses the reality of our connection to Christ deep into our hearts and spirits. Baptism is also meaningful and beneficial because baptism is an expression of obedience to Christ. Now, I made this point earlier, but I think it warrants additional emphasis. It is simply not debatable, friends. Jesus commanded baptism. He commanded it. When we come to faith in Jesus, it means that we receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. As our Lord, we have a responsibility to obey His commandments. Since Jesus our Lord commanded that we be baptized, when we come to faith in Him and then we refuse baptism, or we never get around to baptism, or we make excuses as to why the Word doesn't really mean what it clearly says, there's no other way to, to slice it. We are being disobedient to our Lord. Now let me assure you of what I'm not trying to do by telling you this. I am not trying to coerce you into baptism. I am not trying to manipulate you or intimidate you into being baptized because frankly that would be sort of pointless. It would be really counterproductive. Such a baptism would kind of like just not, not be worthwhile I wouldn't think. My motivation in telling you that is simple honesty. I just want to be honest with you. And I, and I share this with you because I know that we have people here today who have not been baptized and you've been convincing yourself that it's okay. And I feel a responsibility to tell you the truth today that it's really not okay. You see, here is the truth. The Bible doesn't know anything about an unbaptized Christian. Nothing. The level of uh, support and amens in here today is heartwarming. Thank you. Thank you. The, the Bible knows nothing about an unbaptized Christian. Begging always works. Begging always works. Although it's not working quite as well today as normal. Um, which suggests to me that there's some pushback. So let's continue. Let's continue. If you say you're a Christian and you're refusing baptism, I have to respectfully tell you that you are living in active disobedience to Christ. 
And I am willing to tell you this, support or no support, because you need to hear the truth about it. And what my hope is, is not that the truth will manipulate you or, or try to coerce you into anything, but that hearing the truth, being open to the truth, will bring you to the place where you'll finally want to willingly surrender to Christ in this area. Where you'll come to the place where you say, you know what, that, that is right. I, I am persuaded. I do need to be obedient to Jesus in everything. It is good for me to fulfill all righteousness. And so I want to surrender to Christ in this area. I hope that that's what will happen for folks. So baptism formally and publicly identifies us with Jesus, and, and, and it's an expression of obedience to Christ. And then the next thing, baptism symbolizes and emphasizes our union with Jesus in his death and resurrection. Paul writes in Romans 6, 3 through 7, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And so through baptism, we identify with the death of Jesus. This happens as we are lowered under the water. And then through baptism, we identify with the resurrection of Jesus. This happens as we are lifted up out of the water. And this gets to some of the most meaningful, beneficial, and spiritually powerful aspects of baptism. It is a symbolic walking out of what happened to us spiritually when we repented of our sins and received Christ as Savior and Lord. Here's what happened. We died to our old way of life. We died to the sins of our past. And so in baptism, when we go under the water, we symbolically are burying the old person we used to be, the person who was sinful and selfish, the person who always dethroned God. That person died when we came to faith in Jesus. And in baptism, we are symbolically burying that person. And here's why it's so beneficial. Because the symbolic walking out of this through baptism drives the truth deep into our spirits that our old self is dead and gone in a way that could not happen apart from baptism. And so we bury the person that we used to be. And then in baptism, when we come up out of the water, we are symbolically rising to our new life as followers of Jesus. We arise as new people with a new life. We're something different than what we were. We are separated from our sin. We are separated from our past. We are separated from our failures. We are no longer who we used to be, so we arise as new people with new life. 
Yes, this spiritually happened when we came to faith in Jesus. But baptism, this symbolic walking out of the spiritual reality, drives the truth into our hearts, awakens us to the truth that our old self really is dead and buried, and we really are new people with new life. I believe that Jesus commands baptism because if it is approached with the right understanding, if it is approached with the right attitude, it is actually a freeing, it is a liberating experience. I believe that God uses it to truly set us free from our past and to fully impress upon us the reality of our new identity. If you are a believer and you're struggling with guilt and condemnation in your life, you've never really felt like the old you has actually died, you've never really experienced the joy of actually feeling new, like you really are a different person than what you used to be, if all of that is true and you've never been baptized, that might be why you're struggling. The symbolic act drives these truths deep into your spirit. And God uses your obedience to be baptized to help these truths really come to life for you. And finally, Acts twenty two sixteen and 1 Peter three twenty one. let us know that baptism symbolizes that our sins have been washed away. And again, it helps to emphasize this truth, helps to get the, the truth of this reality deep into our spirits. In Acts twenty two sixteen, Paul was recounting the story of his own conversion, and he told of how Ananias instructed him to get up and be baptized and, quote, wash your sins away. Very similar to the previous point. And so if you're still feeling weighted down by sins and coming to faith in Jesus, if you've not been baptized, it's very possible that that is your problem. At least that that is part of your problem. Because through baptism, we experience the reality that we have been cleansed from our sins. We are new and we are clean. And so baptism is important. It is meaningful. It is beneficial. So let me quickly run through the rest of this uh, message. So who then should be baptized? By the way, it's getting really hot in here. So if someone in the sound booth could turn the air down, that would be great. So baptism is important. It is meaningful. It is beneficial. So who then should be baptized? Here's the simple answer. Everyone who has faith in Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus, you're a candidate to be baptized. If you have faith in Jesus, you have a responsibility to be baptized. That is just the truth. Everything that I've shared today applies to you. If you have faith in Jesus, you need to be baptized to be obedient. You should be baptized to publicly identify with him. You should be baptized to identify with his death and resurrection and experience the benefit uh, that, that that experience brings to you of feeling freed. You should be baptized to have the reality of your washing from sin drilled deep into your consciousness. All who believe in Jesus are to be baptized. So if, you've, if you're a believer, you've not been baptized, you should be. You should be. Yes, for the obedience, but also for the spiritual benefit that you'll experience from doing it.
Some people who have been baptized should be rebaptized. Not everybody that's been baptized should be rebaptized, but sometimes a person who has been baptized should be rebaptized. Let me talk about a few of those. If you were baptized, but it was before having personal faith in Christ, such as when you were an infant, you should be rebaptized. And here's why. Baptism is clearly intended biblically for those who have personal faith in Jesus. If you did not have personal faith in Jesus, you were not even a candidate to be baptized. The prerequisite of baptism is personal faith in Christ. And so if you were baptized, but it was before you had personal faith in Christ, you should be rebaptized. If you were baptized, but it wasn't within a Christ-centered, Bible-believing church, you should be rebaptized. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not meaning to say, well, you know, that church wasn't as good as I wish it had been. What I'm really referring to here is there are, there are cults that baptize people. And, and so if you were baptized as a part of a, of a cult, you should be rebaptized. Okay? All right. If you were baptized, but you did it without any understanding of what you were doing, or if you did it just to make your mom happy, or you did it to get your wife off of your back. <laughs> Anytime that you did it, and it wasn't as a result of personal faith in Jesus, and a desire to be obedient to him and receive the spiritual benefits of baptism, then you should be rebaptized. And let me say something about the if you were baptized as an infant thing, because here's one of the one of the struggles that comes along with that. If you were, and maybe you have been, or or the compelling message today has persuaded you that you should be, uh, you should not let family tradition or potential family disapproval dissuade you from being obedient to Christ. You can both Honor the deposit of faith that your parents placed in you when they had you baptized as an infant while still being baptized as an adult with personal faith in Jesus. You can do both. You can do both. Let me address a few other quick questions, then I'll wrap this up. Does baptism need to be by immersion placed completely under the water? Yes, because that's what immersion means. And that's, and, that's what, and that's what was practiced by the early church. They put them under the water. Okay? That said, if someone were physically unable to be immersed, or there was some other compelling reason why that medically could not be done, certainly in that kind of case, pouring water, sprinkling water would be an option. Most Christian churches will see that as acceptable in those kind of situations. Secondly, can children be baptized? At Vineyard Christian Church, just like the Bible says, we require kids to be 10 years old. That's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, the, the, the Bible doesn't say that. We just think that's an age where kids uh, maybe will start to be able to understand it well enough that it makes sense for them to be baptized if they desire to do so. That said, we have always deferred to parents and what they feel is their child's understanding about baptism. The key things, whatever the age, 
are that the person being baptized has personal faith in Jesus and that they are at least able to understand basically, at least at an ele- have an elementary understanding of the meaning of baptism. So in those cases, we will baptize children. Here's a question. What if I want to be baptized on June 9th? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> if you want to do that, you just need to do th- two things. Sign up at the Information Center. And then you can attend one of the baptism classes. Uh, there's one on January, uh, January, May 26th. There's one on May 26th, and then there's one on June 2nd. But I've got a deal for you today. If you're in this room right now listening to me, and you've been in here the whole time, you weren't out in the foyer half the message. <clears throat> if you were in here the whole time listening to the message, and you want to get baptized, this can serve as your baptism class. And you won't have to go hear the same information from Contrell a second time. All right? So this can be your baptism class. Sign up and just write up beside your name, attended the in-service baptism class. Or something shorter than that. But just indicate in some way that you were in the message, heard the message today, and uh, you can be baptized without going to one of the classes. And then we just need you to fill out a baptism application, and we will baptize you. Finally... And we are getting really close to being wrapped up. Uh, Let me encourage you, those of you who are going to be baptized, how you should approach your baptism. There are choices to be made when we approach baptism. Here is one way that we can approach baptism. We can allow ourselves to be distracted by all the details and all the things that accompany baptism. So we can have thoughts like this when we're baptized. Oh, I really don't want to be in front of everyone with my shorts and t-shirt on or whatever it is you're going to wear to your baptism. Ugh, it's really going to be difficult to climb that ladder and get in the water. I'm going to be embarrassed being in front of everyone. I don't want people to see my hair wet. (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny if I cannonballed into the water? And the answer to that is no, it would not. (laughs) Brian's not going to use the microphone while he's standing in the water, is he? No. (laughs) That's one way that you can approach baptism. But there is a much better way. There is a more beneficial way. And here's how you do it. You discipline your mind and you shut out the distractions And you focus on what the baptism is really about. Instead of allowing yourself to be uncomfortable being in front of people, you focus on the honor that you have to publicly and formally identify with Jesus. Instead of worrying about the ladder or your clothes as you enter the water, you remember, my life is now in Christ He is my life. As you're lowered under the water, you allow your mind to focus and you have a deep satisfaction knowing that you have died to your old way of life and sin and that you are burying the person that you used to be. And you come up out of the water. As you do that, you focus on the reality That you're rising as a new creation in Christ with a new life and the promise of eternal life. 
And as you complete your baptism and as you stand there and as we applaud for you and we pray over you, you hear the Spirit of God say to you just like he did to Jesus, you are my child. I love you and I am well pleased with you. If you'll approach your baptism that way, it will be meaningful to you. It will be beneficial to you. And I really believe the Holy Spirit's going to empower it to be a freeing experience for you. That's how baptism should be understood. That's how baptism should be experienced. So as Ananias said to Paul in Acts twenty-two sixteen, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away. Let's stand. Thank you.